You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, he can shave whichever part of his body he wants. Welcome to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast, an injury-ravaged Attacking Scrum squad this week. Uh, so it is just me recording this on my own. Even the mighty Murph, the most reliable of them all, the Dimitri Arhip, the, the Josh Turnbull of podcasters, uh, is not around this week. So uh, it is uh, it is just me. So stick with me. Um, hopefully, it won't there won't be too much umming and ahhing, or at least not too too much more than usual. Um, and I am, of course, buoyed by the fact that the Dragons have got a victory, the rarest of things, which. Um, I don't know, maybe that's why no one wanted to come on with me. Maybe that's the, the reason that they couldn't deal with the fact that I'm going to go on and on and on about the Dragons' victory. There are, of course, other news stories this week. Um, uh, and obviously disappointing results for all of the other regions as well. But um, there's uh, still no shortage of, of stuff for, uh, for me to get my teeth stuck into. And thank you to all those who sent questions in as well. I was pleading for questions earlier just to make sure that it wasn't uh, it wasn't just me reading out old reams of the Rothmans rugby yearbook um and uh, unfortunately it isn't so uh, thank you to everyone uh, who's done that um right to begin with the dragons or to save that for later that's the that's the big question um tell you what let's uh let's get straight into it it's uh, I, i've just watched the game and uh so i, I avoided the result and caught up and to be honest with you, I did have a massive feeling today wasn't going to be my day, given that I couldn't get a co-presenter on for uh, for today, no, no matter how hard I tried. And uh, just as I was going down to watch the Dragons game, I also managed to fall down the stairs as well. So uh, it was a definite feeling today is not going to be my day. Um, 
and thought, yeah, what what chances of the dragons actually giving me something to cheer about? But there we go. Um, yeah, just when you when you least expect it, off the back of that terrible performance last week, uh, yeah, the the rarest of things, a collector's uh, a collector's item of a dragon's win, and of course their first win at home. Um, for oh, for God knows how long, went the whole season last year without a, without a win at home. So, yeah, so um, so pleased they managed to get that. Watching the game, you know, had just so much more intensity than we'd seen um, the week before. You know, particularly in that kind of first twenty thirty minutes. And really, I thought you know we're, we're much the better team in the first half. A lot better in terms of discipline and. You know, managed to pick to to coax some ill discipline out of Munster as well. Kick the kicks, and um, to go in to go in at halftime with Munster leading. You just thought, right here we go again. But fair play to um, fair play to to the Dragons. Kept you know a real sense of belief this week, I think, and just kept chipping away at Munster. Kept themselves in the game. Uh, kind of fought every uh, every single phase. I, I kind of got the feeling they weren't overthinking it this week. They weren't thinking about the bigger picture. They were just thinking about what's in front of them, whether that was a scrum or a line-out or, um, or a passage of play or a, or a goal kick, whatever it was. And, and I think that, that made a, you know, seemed to make a big difference. So some real standout performance in there. You know, I thought a massive shift from, from Moriarty, or from the whole pack, really. Moriarty, Basham, um, Angus O'Brien was just superb. I mean, what a fantastic... Um, a fantastic addition to the to the squad he's been, and it just makes you think how you know what a crazy decision it was to let him go before. You know, he left a a dragon side that wasn't particularly good, and um, and you know spent three three or four seasons down at the Scarlets, and you just think during that whole time it would have given them another option at ten and fifteen when those are positions where we've always needed help. But nonetheless, he's back in the side now. And that's um, and that's helped massively. So, yeah, uh, a big a big double thumbs up to the uh, to the Killian version of Franz Stein. Massive boot on him. So so pleased for him. And uh, and yeah, obviously Rio Dyer getting that decisive try as well. Um, so yeah, some really interesting stuff there. Um, we have got some questions in in relation to the dragons, which I'll take a look at in a second. I am surprised though we didn't get any questions. In relation to Dean Ryan, which you know has kind of dominated the the news this week, um, largely been absent. You know, Di Flanagan has been on on media duties. A very strange interview that he gave with uh, with the BBC um, before the game, where uh, you know basically just had to to say no comment to everything, which is you know which is a a difficult position for him to be in. Um, but continued speculation, and you would imagine that that we're not going to be seeing seeing Dean Ryan as, as director of rugby for for much longer. He's obviously not around the uh, uh, not around the club at the moment. Um, and just before we come back to the come back to the game, I mean that's such an absolute mess. <laughs> um, uh, you know, we said on here um, in our preseason, um, you know, yeah, in our, our preseason predictions that. You know, we thought that, that Ryan would be under pressure from the get-go and have to get results pretty soon. Uh, Murph was saying last week he also thought that perhaps having Di Flanagan there created a, a bit of a, a bit of a buffer. The thing for me was that Ryan has been backed. 
he's been allowed to bring in those those players across the summer um and you thought oh god here we go again you know if a director of rugby leaves and it's it's his squad you're then going to have another couple of seasons where you've got someone in charge and it's not their set of players but despite all of that distraction um they got a result today on the pitch you know i suppose a bit like a football side um when they change their manager and you get that you get that kind of um new manager upping in performance and and that's the way it paid out because they really were so much better today the dragons than they were last week and um clearly something was not right in that dressing room we've you know we've heard from um you know from various ex players that they they weren't getting on with um with Dean Ryan um we know he's a very uh, uncompromising character and a pretty straight talking one and I suppose a bit of an old school um a bit of an old school figure um and if that if that is the case you know um it, it clearly has it clearly hasn't been working and based on today you know th- there is there's a, a set of players there who who want to play for for Di Flanagan and um um so yeah let's let's get stuck into let's get stuck into the game obviously I've mentioned a few things there um but we've had some uh, some questions in from listeners so just uh yeah, bear with me while I uh, while I dig those up. This is normally where I'd throw over to Murph for some kind of witty comment, but um, yeah, haven't got haven't got that option today. Um, Barry the puppy, who's a regular contributor for a start, just says, "Firstly, that Dragons game, wow." Um, <laughs> don't actually have a question. Just wanted to say that uh, you've got to have loved that game. Well, yeah, as you can imagine, I absolutely did for uh, uh, for a number of reasons. Um, but then we've also had this question in uh, from uh, from Toom, who says, uh, is Ashton Hewitt the galvanising force for the Dragons? Defensively, has been class for a while and hugely missed when injured. Yeah, it's a great point. And uh, I didn't mention him there when I was, I was signalling out a few players, um, purely because I knew he was coming up in this question. And I am delighted for him. I'm absolutely delighted. I think, you know, we all know what a great finisher is and what a, an attacking threat he is, but... Um, it's absolutely right that he's he is a really good defensive operator too. Obviously, he's got that pace that allows him to kind of um, to show the player the outside and back himself to cover it. It doesn't look like he's lost any of that pace in the time that he's been off, which is which is really encouraging. And the other thing I remember watching a game, you know, which probably would have been about eighteen months ago when he last came back from a big long layoff, was was just how um, how physical he is as well. You know, he's not just um, it's not just that out and out speed. He's really, really hard to put down, and when he takes the ball into contact, he's very often able to bounce away. Some clever offloads in there as well. So I mean, he's he's such a brilliant player. I was delighted to see that um, that he stayed. And as we always say, whenever he, you know, whenever he is fit, just hope he's able to stay fit for a proper run of for a proper run of games because he's cruelly been robbed uh, the opportunity of playing for Wales. Um, on a couple of occasions, I think he's been in the squad and and had to pull out injured, but you know that's I don't think he'd be thinking about Wales right now. I think you know just be thinking about staying fit and, and getting games under his belt for the Dragons. But yeah, made a massive difference today, and he, he is just a class act. And it really looks as though he's he's come back as um, as good as he's ever been. So stay fit. He will make a big big um, impact to the Dragons because he's a yeah real classy operator and um and knows where the try line is obviously his uh um his fellow winger Rio Dyer was the was the hero today as well with um 
uh, yeah, a try that that made Fekitoa and uh, and Omani look like fools. So that was that was uh, particularly enjoyable. Um, you know, he's just yeah, he's out and out gas, so much speed, and um, yeah, to to take that uh, take that opportunity um, was pretty encouraging. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm delighted. I really didn't see us getting a win there off the back of last week's game. And as the game played out, I just thought, all right, here we go again. Uh, particularly when um, they flashed up on Premier Sports, the the win predictor. Uh, this is about 75%. Uh, sorry, about 75 minutes into the game. And it said, you know, Dragons were 55% chance of winning it. And right on cue, as the graphic is still on the screen, uh, we give away a penalty at the scrum. And, uh, and Munster then go and, and boot the ball down um, into Dragons territory, but it's those kind of things that didn't they didn't let them phase them today. And you know a lot of a lot of leadership was shown, and it was exactly those big performances that were missing last week. So got to make it count now. There's uh, another home game coming up um, next week at home to uh, to the Sharks. Uh, you know which on paper isn't the easiest isn't the easiest game, um, but. I suppose this is a good time to be playing um, to be playing the South African sides because they've still got um, still got international commitments. So um, that is a that is a good thing and, and a real opportunity. And you know, you just the noise that goes around Rodney Parade, even when it's not packed, um, when the Dragons get a win or at least in with a sniff of getting a win, it's just such a great place to watch rugby, and it's it makes such a big difference. So you know, I hope they're able to to get a, a half decent crowd down there this week and. And really, um, and really build on it because you know, you know, you imagine what two wins on the spin would would do for uh, would do for the confidence of the side. Um, just on that on that team selection bit and, and kind of strength in depth, we mentioned with Murph last week after Cardiff beat Munster that um, perhaps it was wasn't the strongest Munster side, you know, and there, there were quite a few stars missing, and and I think they were under pressure today to get a result uh, for sure, and. That kind of showed with the team selection. You saw you saw the likes of Omani in there. You know Casey in at nine, who is uh, you know is a real a real bright prospect, and you know I expect a feature for many years to come for Munster and uh, and for Ireland. Uh, then you had you had Byrne coming off the bench. Fekitoa was in there. Uh, Zebo on the on the left wing. So you know it was a really strong Munster side, and um, yeah, to to kind of. Be able to um, to put them away was big, but as I said, there there was definitely pressure on Munster. I think that showed at times. You know, a few unforced errors, but credit to the Dragons, they they helped to to create some some forced ones as well. So yeah, all in all, I'm I'm over the moon. I'm sure all all Dragons fans are as well because it's just uh, yeah, these things are um have been a, have been a long time coming. And to wrap up on the on the Dragons, we had this question in from David Collis as well. Did the Dragons prioritise the home game today compared with the away one last week? And uh, he points to the fact that Wainwright, Basham, uh, Rob Evans, uh, all more involved, and Hewitt, all more involved than in in week one. And yeah, this is this is a really interesting point. Um, I think with Rob Evans and Hewitt, I think that might just be a fitness thing. I think, as we said, I don't think they would have been in a rush to. Um, to bring Hewitt back, it, unless they were, you know, as they were hundred percent convinced with him, I kind of get the same the same feeling with uh, with Rob Evans was only on the bench today. Wainwright, I know, you know, again has, has had injury problems. Um, Basham, I think, uh, I'm really glad they started him today. I think it made a massive 
a massive difference. Um, you know, yeah, I think they probably were prioritising this week because it was the first home game. But at the same time, I don't think that that team selection was a side that sh- uh, the team selection in week one was a side that should have got thumped um, by forty odd points um, away at away at Edinburgh. So. Yeah, I, I, there was only three changes to the starting lineup, so there might have been a, a small factor in that. I don't know. I, I, I get the feeling that you know that there's been a bit of a, a galvanising impact in the dressing room this week, and uh, and that's kind of borne out on the pitch. But I think if they match that level of intensity today for the rest of the season and, and go on and pick pick up some good home results, and as I said last week to Murph, eliminate those drubbings away from home. You know, if they if last week had been a 10, 12 point loss to Edinburgh and a win over Munster today, then actually I think it would have been a, you know, you'd be saying, oh, they're off to as good a start as you could expect. So, yeah, I think we'll, we'll have a much clearer picture uh, this time next week after after the game with the Sharks. So, yeah, big week, big week ahead, but hopefully, um, yeah, they're able to enjoy a couple of sherbets tonight um, and, uh, and back to it, back to it this week. Um not such good fortunes uh, for near neighbours Cardiff on Friday night. Uh, well, a bit of a horror show, really. Conceding eight tries, which is, you know, you don't win games if you concede eight tries. And I think particularly for them, off the back of a win over Munster the week before, was so so disappointing. A few changes to the starting lineups, which we'll we'll come on to as well. The first thing, the first thing I kind of want to get into though is uh, just a, or another awful refereeing decision. It's been my absolute bugbear, and again, you listen to any number of podcasts from from recent months um, with refereeing around uh, around high shots and, and contact to the head. Friday night, that is the most stone cold red card you'll ever see, and. Uh, and I'm not saying this is this is why Cardiff didn't win the game, but I just think you know how we're get, we're getting those decisions wrong is is absolutely beyond me. It's not like it's just a split second decision and something's been missed to actually go to the TMO um, on that hit on Josh Adams. You know, direct shoulder, no arm wrap to the uh, to the jaw. It is textbook red card and to not give that is um is just disgraceful it's an absolutely awful decision it's a really it's really um disheartening for you know for for this whole narrative of player welfare which keeps getting talked about and it's not just player welfare in terms of fitness and things like that it's his head injuries and this is the the cloud looming over rugby right now and to be able to to have another week where we're just pointing at this and going, eh, actually, it's not um, the, the referee's got it wrong. I just, yeah, I don't know why there was not more made of that, and uh, I don't think I missed this when I watched the game on on Premier Sports on Friday night. But bugger all mention of it at half time. Uh, I think they had one of the Edinburgh coaches um, talking about it. Uh, sorry, one of the Glasgow coaches talking about it uh, at half time. He briefly mentioned it, but. That, those kind of decisions, you know, should be front and centre of um, uh, of that half-time analysis because it was an absolute clangor and, yeah, as, as clear a red card as you'll ever see. Uh, so, yeah, just an absolute shocker there, which which may or may not have, have changed the context of the game. 
and you know red cards often do at the same time Cardiff their own worst enemy this week you know off the back of a performance that showed so much gusto at the arms park and I mentioned the word when we were talking about the Dragons intensity to then follow it up with something that was really really passive you know there was lots of lots of kind of ambling through the game which you just you just don't want to see and these were the these were the criticisms that we threw at Cardiff last year when they had those really bad performances and I, I just had the feeling last week that they'd, that they'd shaken it off, that whatever work had been done over the summer, um, Dai Young had drummed into them how important it was to uh, to put in big performances week in, week out, whether you get the win or not. It was really, really passive and, and disappointing from from Cardiff. And, yeah, I, I think uh, things like the kick chase were, were really, really limp. And, again, you know, if you're going to play a... If you're going to play a defensive kicking game, your kick chase has got to be really, really strong, and it's just something that they they got completely wrong. Glasgow, on the other hand, were really, really keen to run the ball, and and they ran it. Uh, they ran in some fantastic tries. They looked superb. Um, Horn at nine was, in particular, was was fantastic, and yeah, they absolutely deserved winners. But yeah, the style of the defeat is just is a, is a real sickener for Cardiff. Uh, again, we've had. Uh, question in on this one and this was from uh, uh, from Barry who I mentioned earlier uh, he said why do they not even have Falatau on the bench uh, he's a man of the match performance last week and he's left off the roster completely this week uh, I get resting players for some games but he's just had two months off it's not like he's had a run of six games he's had one and yeah I do agree with that I think you know if we're talking I know they're going to have to manage Toby carefully throughout the course of the the season and to a certain extent, they are going to be targeting certain games that they're that they're looking for the wins, and you and you would guess it would be the the home games for that. But yeah, it just feels like there was he made such a positive impact in week one that uh, that you lost all of that. Um, yeah, by by kind of not having him in the squad, and uh, yeah, it's a, a yeah. I, I don't think that's that's the reason why. I think if Toby had played and they the rest of the game had still. Yeah, the rest of the performances had still been uh, as they were. I don't think that would have that would have made the difference. Even someone as brilliant as Falatau can't you know can't drag it up single handedly. But I do think there's a degree of you know degree of standards that that he kind of expects and um, yeah, just for just for that momentum and it, it kind of drives home the the point about how much rugby is played right now um, and how much you have to manage you know you have to manage players. Um, and also, how many you know? How many games Cardiff are realistically earmarking to win this season? Um, that the, when they are managing Falatau's game time, they're they're looking at certain games. And uh, you know, I look Glasgow are, are a good side, but you know they're not playing uh, they're not playing Leinster away. It's you know you you would, if the, if the Welsh regions have got any hope of getting into the playoffs, then it's sides like really like Edinburgh and Glasgow that they they're going to have to get results against and. Uh, and that can't just be at home. So, yeah, all in all, I think that was a bit of a disappointing, uh, a disappointing team selection, but not one that I think um, made the overall difference. Perhaps though, it does point to a, uh, yeah, to to the fact that, that the squad is, you know, still not as, as strong as it needs to be. Right, um, we're just over the twenty-minute mark, so I'm going to take a quick breather now um, and regroup uh, momentarily. Again, normally this is where I watch Murph go to the fridge and get a San Miguel out of there. Maybe I'll um, 
maybe I'll follow his lead and, uh, and go and do that for myself. Uh, but I'm going to regroup quickly. Coming up after the break, we will be talking about the Scarlets and the Ospreys. And also an interesting news story that broke in the rugby paper this morning about uh, potentially uh, some... Welsh sides joining the English Premiership. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's have a look at all of that after this quick break. Right then, second half of the Attacking Scrum podcast for this week. Uh, yeah, it's just ploughing through it on my own. Uh, let's see, let's see how we go in the second half. That first half didn't feel too bad. Was that all right? Was that all right? Let's see. I don't know. Again, let's uh, let's get stuck into the other games now. So, uh, Ospreys or Scarlets first? What to go for? Let's go for the Ospreys. Um, oh, it's really hard to know what to make about the Ospreys this season. So, two games in and and only a draw to show for it. When we did our predictions a couple of weeks ago, I don't think any of us were were really expecting that return off two games. You know, they should have beaten the Scarlets in week one. Really, I think, for all intents and purposes, had the game won, were much more physical, particularly in the first half, but weren't able to to get it over the line, let the Scarlets back into it, and uh, and obviously that that last um, that last minute conversion to to get them out of jail uh, from from Jack Walsh in week one. Uh, this time round, it's a it's a late conversion for for the uh, for the Lions that um, that snatches a that snatches a. A victory away from uh, away from the Ospreys, which is a game they should have won. I mean, just having had a look at you know a good look at them over these two games, physically they look good. All the things that you kind of expect from an Ospreys team when they're you know when they when they're going well, good physical pack, yeah, really really strong back row, and then you've got you know a good set piece as well, and and really they had all of those things on display, and also a few nice touches behind. Um, Behind the scrum, I thought uh, in Saturday's game, you know the the tries were well worked. It was great to see Keelan Giles back and and scoring tries. So all of those things were you know were encouraging. But this sounds a bit weird saying in a game where they they have got a bonus point. I just don't think that they they score enough tries for a, a side that um, that is often as physically dominant up front as as they are. And I thought I thought Walsh played well at ten actually, and I think that's that's adding another dimension. So you've got you know you've got him in there when when Anscombe isn't in there. So I think you know again those things will take a bit a, a little bit of time to to click. Um, but yeah, it's just a bit of a puzzler. I don't know why they didn't get over the line um, in uh, in Saturday's game. Definitely a game they should be looking to win. You know we often say that the the Lions are the um, you know the, the uh, perhaps the, the weakest of the South African sides, and definitely a game that, that the Ospreys would. Would have been targeting for a for a win, so they'll they'll be bitterly disappointed with that. And really, I you know I thought they had the game won. They just um, just weren't ruthless enough. And you know how often do we say that about a, about a Welsh side? Um, if they if they're going to have a, a good season and, and threaten the playoffs, they're, they're going to have to put these first two games behind them and uh, and, and start getting some some better results because that was that was uh, yeah a real disappointing one for them. I suppose on the yeah on the on the plus side, as I said there, good to see Keelan Giles fit again. He has so many options for for Wales out on the on the wings now. As I said earlier, I think Ashton Hewitt will probably be concentrating on his 
uh, on his Dragons performance for the time being and, and looking to stay fit. Same goes for Keelan Giles, really. You know, we know what a, um, what a handful he is. Took his chances brilliantly. He's got such brilliant pace and you know, still, still a relatively young man. He's been around for such a long time that you know, you, you, it's kind of easy to forget that. But he's missed so much rugby through through injury that yeah, all you want is him to him to stay uh, fit for a while. But that was that was definitely a positive. While I remember, actually, I've completely forgotten the the, uh, the positive I was going to mention for for Cardiff, and that was uh, and that was Max Llewellyn in the centre. Uh, you know, again, we mentioned him last week. We mentioned him, I think, in the the season preview. He's uh, yeah, he's a really encouraging um, prospect for for Cardiff. I think he's very much um, going to be a feature in the in the first team for them this season and, and be kind of first choice first choice twelve. Which um, yeah, he again put in a big shift. Uh, he set out, you know, set out that first try with a great break and just offers offers the physicality, but also that nous that, that that goes with a good inside centre as well. He's not just looking to smash it up the whole time. Um, he is looking to beat contact. He is looking to offload, and he is looking to distribute it when um, when the opportunities are there as well. So that was a, that was a positive I forgot to mention uh, for for the Cardiff. Um, but yeah, back to the Ospreys. I think it's about cutting out silly errors. You know, the, uh, a lot of the a lot of the Lions tries came from came from kind of unforced errors and um you know I think particularly the one where Morgan Morris broke away from the from the back of the scrum uh, and and threw a loose pass to Reese Webb and it's just the, the softest of tries and you know those things must be so frustrating for for Toby Booth because again they're you know they're they're two of his most consistent performers um Morris and Webb you know they're they're probably the two first names on the or two of the first names on the team sheet so yeah it's a hard thing to 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 kind of account for if you're a coach but yeah no doubt they'll want to be um, be putting that behind them um onto the scarlets i mean a, a berserk game an entertaining game of rugby for the neutrals I, I mean it must be an absolute um an absolute nightmare to watch if you're a coach because um i need to say it was a, a leaky defense is that is an understatement um on but you know on both sides but just seemed to me that that the Scarlet struggled with uh, with Ulster's physicality, which you know is perhaps not a not a surprising thing. We know they've got we know they've got a, a strong pack, and that gives you quick ball. But they were so good behind the scrum Ulster uh, that I think that really kind of ex- um, exacerbated some of the things that the Scarlet's got wrong. Kicking game looked you know looked completely wrong. There was a lot of really awful box kicking and. As we said with with Cardiff, if you don't get the if you don't get the kick chase right, then it means it's a it makes things very very difficult for you, particularly when you've got an Ulster back three with the likes of Lowry and, and Stockdale in it. Stockdale, you know, just adding to that list of, of wingers who've been injured for a long time, who've come back and and had storming games. He was really really impressive for them. Lowry's a you know is a is a joy to watch for a player and uh, for. a you know, for a, for a neutral, and if you, if you kick as loosely as that to, to those kind of players, you're going to struggle. Um, McCluskey in the centre for Ulster. You know, how many times have we seen him run riot against the Welsh side? He's just so so physical. And he, you know, he's an absolute um, he's an absolute monster at this level. And uh, and the Scarlets' defence struggled to contain him as well. So you know, all of these were um, were really really disappointing elements. And then you add that into things like the um, like the kicking game that just seemed. They just seemed off. It felt like there was a lot of aimless box kicks and a lot of box kicks that just gifted them possessions. So, um, all of that made it made it very difficult. That said, you know 
they were in the game for large chunks of it and going right down to the wire they still had every chance of every chance of winning it um things that were encouraging Fafita had a great game uh, for Scarlets obviously there was that intercept try um it is so risky when you go for when you go for one of those because if you knock it on you're more than likely going to go to the bin but the size of his hands <laughs> you know it makes uh it makes the ball look like a peanut in them he's he's just that that big and and just plucked the ball out with um you know with relative ease and backed himself to get all the way to the line you know i, I think there's there's loads more that the scarlet's going to see from him and actually alongside him Lassie was brilliant you know another player with uh, with massive mitts and uh, whether he's offloading or he's he's putting in one-handed turnovers where he's just you know lent over like a and lent over and picked the ball up as if he's a you know kid with his hands in the sweet jar yeah those those two I I think you know will be really encouraging for the for the rest of the season um but I think that the thing that the thing that I, you know you want to see from a scarlet side is is when they throw it around they do they do cause size problems you know particularly with Costello at 10 and you know he I think he's he's going to go from strength to strength he got a yellow card yesterday and that cost that cost Scarlet's ultimately you know they conceded two tries while he was in the bin but he still had a good game you know he still looks really really threatening and, and if I'm honest you know those those yellow card things yeah that will happen at points during your career all in all much more much more positive than uh, than negative when it comes to him um, and yeah, with him at ten, I think they, you know, they've got every chance of um, of scoring lots of tries this season. Uh, Johnny Williams in the centre, uh, yeah, looks fresh, looks a, looks a real attacking threat as well. Not just kind of, you know, perhaps sometimes when he's been playing for Wales, he's been doing a lot of the the donkey work and just trucking it up, trying to get over the game line, kind of in a bit of a a way that Jamie Roberts used to be deployed by Gatland and. Williams seems to be sitting a bit deeper for the Scarlets. He looks to be taking men on around the outside. He's kind of got a, a surprising um, or deceptive, a deceptive bit of gas as well, which um, you know he, he does seem to, to like to, to try and take a player on around the outside. So all of those things are encouraging. But yeah, you, you just can't you can't concede that amount of tries, and it's something that they're going to have to fix and and fix pretty sharpish. And yeah, I, I, for me, I, I, if I'm honest. That kind of structured game with the with the box kicking just wasn't working. A, they didn't pull it off well enough. But B, I also just think Ulster looked a lot more uncomfortable when the Scarlets were throwing it around, and it was the perfect day to be doing that. And it's probably just the rugby romantic in me saying it, but I think they look a better side when they when they look to play, and they've got so many ball players in their in their back line and in their squad that I think that's the that's their best route to to winning games. Because um, I think if they try and keep it structured. Doesn't look like the defence is good enough to do that right now. So, uh, yeah. So for me, just yeah, sling it around and see what happens. It'll be, make it entertaining anyway. Um, but yeah, another another disappointing one for for Scarlets. Away to Benetton next week. Um, not the easy trip that it that it once was. But uh, yeah, you've got to be targeting that for a win. You know, a draw and a loss uh, to start the season. And then, again, as we said. As we said a number of times, the the Scarlets and the Ospreys are the, are the two strongest squads on paper. So you know to be to have no wins from the first two, I think they'll they'll be they'll be very disappointed um, with that. So hopefully they'll be able to get a win uh, away in Italy next week. Um, I think that covers all. Yeah, that covers everything from uh, from the games from this weekend. 
let's consult the uh, consult the the listeners' questions. Um, the big one this week, which came uh, which came in um, this morning from uh, from Neil, who, who goes under the the name Rugby Twenty Four Seven on on Twitter, he drew to my attention the uh, um, the news story that Neil Fistler broke in the in the rugby paper this morning that says. Two Welsh clubs are lined up to play uh, to play in the English Premiership. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to know how excited. Well, actually, I, I think I know how excited to get by this, and it's 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 probably not to get too excited right now. To be taking this probably with a big uh, a big teaspoonful of salt. Um, yeah, we've heard we have heard these stories in the past, and yeah, you know, I, I think fans in fans in Wales would love to see. Um, would love to see our sides play in uh, play in England. You know, one of the big things for me, and I, I know I moan about this a lot on this podcast, but for a domestic league, this um, this UFC just feels massively um, massively disparate. You know, you, you even just watching the highlights on on Scrum Five. You know, you watch uh, one minute you watching you watching the Dragons game. Uh, or the Scarlets game, and the next minute you're watching a couple of games from from South Africa, and it just you know the fact that this is supposed to be a you know supposed to be a, a domestic league, it just doesn't make any sense. Whereas, what you could have is uh, the opportunity to have much simplified logistics, and uh, the ability to play games home and away against sides where where rivalry exists. You know, I know you know we're perhaps being idealistic about this, but the prospect of you know of dragons playing bristol or scarlets playing bath or gloucester or yeah i mean even um you know e- even if it's uh, you know if it's cardiff versus newcastle that to me on paper is a lot more appealing than um than any of the fixtures that we've seen this weekend because there is you know there is that degree of rivalry every every single week if you're playing against the english opposition um but that said it all comes down to the question are the Welsh sides needed by the English clubs? Now, there's been a tendency to kind of flat back that answer um, in recent times and say they don't need us, they don't need us, they've got a good product. They do have a good product, but financially there's there's not a good product in uh, in England. You know, we're seeing that right now with um, with Worcester and the way that um, that, that club has, um, you know, from the outside looking in, you could say it's been mismanaged and is, is heading towards, uh, you know, is, is heading towards... Um, Potentially oblivion, which is absolutely, you know, is absolutely terrible for for all those connected with the club and all those who've put in, um, you know, put in work into making it a a side that that competes in the in the Premiership every single season, and you've got a similar thing going on at Wasps where they're in they're in financial dire straits and on the verge of um, being put into administration. So, you know, there is there is definitely something that that says. Um, all is not rosy in the um, when it comes to the to the balance sheet of those of those English sides, and it's not. You know, you you look back over the last ten years. There's not many sides who've who've run at a profit. I think, you know, Northampton have probably posted the most stable financial results over that over that period of time. Um, other sides have have overspent. I know there's been some series some um, some seasons where Exeter were technically in the black, but obviously they're. Um, their owner, their benefactor, was also their main um, their main sponsor um, for a long time as well. So that that um, that skews it heavily. So what you've got is a, a system where clubs are overly reliant on um, 
on benefactors, on individuals, and what happens if they they walk away or they get fed up. Um, you know, it, it plunges those clubs into um, into a bit of well, into into potentially into financial oblivion. So there is a need to have a, a much more sustainable model um, within club rugby in the whole. Um, so looking for solutions outside, you know, outside of, of what we have right now is is definitely a, a good thing to do. To come back to this, you know, I, I would love to think that there is there is an opportunity there. Um, I'm not sure there is right now. I, I won't be getting too excited about it in the short term. Um, I, mean, I suppose the other bizarre thing would be, um, you know, could you just parachute in Cardiff and, and Scarlets? What do you do with the other regions? How does that affect the way that they're funded by the union? Because, again, according to the story, this is being driven... You know, all, all the initial meetings have been um, have taken place uh, with between Premiership Rugby and the Welsh Rugby Union. Um, we know the Welsh Rugby Union are looking, you know, would would uh, are looking for a, a way to um, how best to put this. Uh, yeah, we, we know there's this constant um, negotiation with the regions and and looking for for ways to to finance them. And you could say that they haven't backed them properly. Um, up until now, and there's certainly no clarity. Would something like this give more clarity? I mean, look, you'd hope that there is more opportunity to grow the game because, as I said, from a from a works perspective, it would be a lot easier to sell tickets for for games against um, for games against English sides. A lot better opportunity to have um, away support in there for uh, for additional revenue, you know, on the on the bars um, and and various other things within the ground. So. It would definitely have an opportunity to grow the game. I think the big question for me is: is there an opportunity to significantly grow, uh, grow a tournament from a from a broadcast perspective? So, you know, is this going to be suitably appealing to either BT or ITV or BBC or one of the big broadcasters to go look? Some kind of an Anglo Anglo Welsh league gets me much more excited, and therefore, I you know I will be prepared to to inject more significant cash. Um, I think that that potentially could be what it comes down to, or would the English Premiership just be looking to fill two places that could be um, that could potentially be um, be left by by Worcester and Wasps? And then, yeah, that that is that is a real possibility because one thing that they won't want to do um, is they won't want to hand back any broadcast revenue to to BT um, if they're not able to fulfil those games, and and we know that. Um, you know that no side has gone up from the from the Premiership uh, into the Premiership for a few seasons, so it's a really really difficult one. Um, as I say, we've seen this story before, so I will be taking it with a, a spoonful of a spoonful of salt rather than a, a pinch. But um, at the same time, you know, now is probably a much more crazy time economically than than has been in the in the previous years. So. You know, the chance to do something drastic, I think, might be might appeal to all all stakeholders uh, rather than just um, yeah, rather than just those on the on the Welsh side of the seven um, right now. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how that one uh, how that one plays out. I would have loved to have got the take of uh, um, uh, of our good mate Steph Thomas on that one. So um, yeah, I'll be sure to ask him when he's next on. Hopefully, uh, hopefully next week. But uh, I'm sure everyone is growing weary of uh, of listening to my voice for the last. Uh, for the last 40 minutes so thanks for sticking with me if you've done that um i'm running out of breath so all that remains is uh is uh 
to say thank you to everyone who sent in questions. Um, thank you to. Oh, in fact, do you know what? We got one more question as well. I've, I've forgotten this, and I have to have to answer it because um, because I really appreciate everyone sending in those questions this week and helping me out of uh, helping me out of a hole. Um, this one is from Asa Joseph, um, and this is a good one to finish on. This season for the Welsh sides, is it just going to be a question of another rinse and repeat of last year? Uh, well, based on the first two weekends, it's hard to argue with that, I think. Um, I think what you can expect is is inconsistency uh, throughout the season. I think we'll see some good performances, and as we saw from Cardiff in week one, as we've seen from the Dragons this week. What I hope is it's just a lot more, the sides are a lot better at home. Um, because that gives you something to build on. You know, if all the sides are hard to beat at home, um, then it gives you an opportunity to um, to pick up the odd away win and and just go into next season with a bit more a bit more of a um, yeah a bit more of a uh, a solid foundation to build on. So I hope it's not a question of rinse and repeat. You know, the the first two weeks have not been have not necessarily been hugely encouraging. But that said. Um, you know, a couple of interesting, a couple of interesting wins at home. So, so yeah, I hope Asa, it's not the, um, it's not a question of rinse and repeat. I think what it ultimately comes down to, as we know, is there are sides in that league who you know, have a lot bigger playing budgets, have a lot, are a lot better coached, um, have a lot better infrastructure than than the Welsh sides have at the moment, and and there's not that there's not that clarity and that kind of um, that financial stability with any of them going forward. So. I think um, I think all of those things are going to have to change, you know, to realistically expect any um, any significant improvements. But um, but yeah, we you know we live in hope. So uh, yeah, I, I hope it's not going to be a question of rinse and repeat. And um, you know, certainly by the time we get to the autumn, we'll have a we'll have a clear indicator of that. But we're only two weeks into what is always a very very long season. Um, and you know, particularly when injuries start taking you know setting in, and then you've also got the other uh, you know the the other problem of juggling international duty as well um you know it does take its toll this season so i think we'll have a we'll have a better indicator by then um but yeah more games coming up next week so make sure you tune in where i hope to be joined by uh, by one of our regular co-hosts um and i'm not not doing this uh, on my own again um but yeah thank you to everyone who sent in questions and a thanks as always to our sponsors at so coffee trades if you want to get some good quality coffee you can do that by going to socoffeetrades.co.uk uh, i think i'm going to need a couple of cups of that in the morning to get me uh, to get me up off off the back of uh, off the back of a uh, a dragon's win doing a podcast on my own and falling down the stairs so um yeah i'm sure uh, i'm sure a couple of cups of those in the morning will uh, uh, will sort me out um and that finally thanks for listening really appreciate it particularly on a on a week where it's just me um but yeah we we should be back to normal next week uh, and we'll be back to chat rugby with you then Podcast Network.